As the old saying goes, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Barbara Rainey agrees. I think that moms who understand that they have a profound influence, a profound impact on their children, really are in fact ruling the world because those children, if they're invested in, will become stable, strong, and hopefully God-fearing adults. And that's what our world is in desperate need of. For Barbara's daughter, Ashley, becoming a mom for the first time was a revelation of sorts. Samuel's my first child, but I know that when he was born, I began to fully grasp what was expected of me and what what was gonna be required of me as a mom. And I began to see what my mom had given me and the impact she had had on my life up to that point. And so I guess that's when it became real to me that I do pass on a legacy to all my children and the kind of mom that I'm gonna be to them. Today, we'll take a closer look at the important legacy a mother can leave. Welcome to the Barbara Rainey Podcast, helping you be changed by Jesus, which will, in turn, transform your home. Thanks for listening. Today, we're reaching back in the archives to a day when Ashley Eskew joined her mom and dad, Dennis and Barbara Rainey, in the studio to talk about some important concepts related to being a mother. Barbara is the mother of six. Ashley, her oldest, has seven boys. But at the time of this conversation, she was a brand new mom. Here's how Dennis kicked it off. I was thinking about how to introduce uh, Barbara and Ashley. I thought immediately of Proverbs 31. A couple of passages in there. Verse 10, an excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Verse 28 says, her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord she shall be praised. And I'll tell you, I'm married to a woman who fears God and is a woman that I frequently praise. And uh, I am watching a woman emerge in Ashley's life as she becomes a great wife and mother to our grandson, Samuel. And I wanted our listeners to know about a book that Barbara and Ashley have co-authored called A Mother's Legacy, Wisdom from Mothers to Daughters. And I thought right out of the bat, I would throw them a curve and ask them both. Barbara, as you think about the term legacy, out of our more than 28 years together in raising a family of six, what one moment best captures the concept of legacy for you as a mother? Ashley, you can be thinking about this from being a daughter who grew up in this. What one moment with your mom captures the concept of legacy and the power of a mom in a a daughter's life? Well, the th- I think to me, the defining moment as a mother's legacy was when my son was born and mom came and spent a week with me, just helping me with my newborn son. And I think I began to realize my importance as a mother and the significance of what she had given to me all through my life and that I was about to start that same process with my child. And Samuel's my first child, so I'm just beginning to understand it. But I know 
that when he was born, I began to fully grasp what was expected of me and what were, what was going to be required of me as a mom. And I began to see what my mom had given me and the impact she had had on my life, the 25 years of my life up to that point. And so I guess that's when it became real to me that I do pass on a legacy to all my children, my daughters and my sons, and the kind of mom that I'm going to be to them. Okay, Barbara, what one memory uh, of an event really captures the concept of legacy? Well, this is going to sound like I'm cheating, but truly, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off of what Ashley said, because it was interesting. This morning, I was having a conversation with about three other moms, and we were talking about raising our children and how uh, we have those difficult moments with our kids when we wonder if it's going to ever work. Are they going to ever understand what we're trying to communicate? Are they going to ever embrace and own what we want them to hear and to learn? And as we were talking, there were three of us who had married children. And we all said together, that's when you begin to feel like you've been successful. That's when you begin to feel some payback and experience some payback. So I guess I would have to say that if I had to keep one memory, it's of Ashley becoming a mother because that was a thrill beyond her getting married. I mean, her getting, her marriage was wonderful. We had, a, we had a fabulous time as a family. But there was something about her having a child and being able to be there and experience that mm-hmm. that was much more profound than the marriage because it, it was a picture of that next generation and, being, and knowing that through her life, I was going to influence this baby boy's life. I'm thinking about why it's so easy as a mom to get discouraged. That memory she's uh, talking about that truly brought it home to her that her life had had an impact and was truly coming full circle took 25 years Mm -hmm. of investments and sharing heartache and bandaging knees and wiping noses and raising through the perilous teenage years before you get to that, that moment where you go, aha. It's finally beginning to occur. So, you know, this will be a great encouragement to moms who are in that runny nose phase, uh, maybe dealing with the terrible twos, just to say it really is going to pay off. When Barbara and Ashley wrote the book, A Mother's Legacy, they collected insights from women they know about the influence their mothers had on them or their own experience as moms relating to their children. We feel like so many women come from so many different backgrounds and different situations that in order for us to write this book, we couldn't just write from our own experiences because that's not broad enough. And so we interviewed lots of different women and got their stories because we have women whose mothers were alcoholics. We have women whose mothers were missing half the time. We have all types of different women that have contributed to this book to make it what it is. They talked to Dottie McDowell, to Jeannie Hendricks, to Alyssa Morgan from Mops, Bonnette Bright, Brenda Hunter, Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth, and others. We asked Barbara, as she talked to these different women, if her understanding of motherhood was confirmed or broadened. Both, clearly. Because it was interesting as we got their stories and as we would read their own experience, I remember, for instance, with Dottie McDowell, I remember reading it and thinking, gosh, I wish I'd known that. That would have been such an encouragement to me as a mom if I had heard her story and had that perspective that I could sort of refer back to and rely on while I was in the process of raising my kids. It's a wonderful perspective that her mother had uh, toward Dottie and her siblings as they were growing up. Well, her story basically is that her mother 
had grown up without a mother. Her mother died when she was very young, and for some reason, she had come to this personal conclusion that she was going to enjoy her own children because she didn't have that experience. And so her whole goal in raising Dottie and Dottie's uh, brother and sister was that she was going to enjoy these children and delight in them. And she didn't not discipline them. She didn't ignore discipline and training. But she made sure that in the process of training and giving discipline for things that were misbehaviors that she enjoyed and encouraged and delighted. Delight is the word that Dottie uses. She delighted in her children. And she gives three or four examples in the story she wrote for her chapter of specific situations where her mother practiced delighting in her as a little girl. And it's so motivating and so inspirational. And I wish I'd had that example to to sort of guide me as I was going through those difficult times when kids would make messes and do those kinds of things that sometimes are just childish and you don't know what to do with them. Yeah, you know, uh, 2 Corinthians talks about because we've received a ministry, we don't lose heart. Uh, Being a mother is a great ministry to receive. And yet in the drudgery of the moment, It's so easy to lose perspective and to lose that delight Mm -hmm. that you're talking about. Maybe you're a mom who's in the thick of it. You can probably think of times when you haven't delighted in your children. And honestly, they probably haven't been very delightful at many times. Barbara says it's important to maintain the right perspective as a mom. I just think that it it would help at some moments that the Lord would remind you and say, remember the story of Dottie and how she grew up. I just think that it'll it'll be helpful. I, I think of Ashley and her having heard all of these stories and other young moms like her, that they can have that reservoir to draw from. And it may not help in every situation, but because she has read this story, I know Ashley's going to remember that. And I know there will be times when she will apply it with her children. She won't do it every time. But there will be times when she will because she's heard that story. Yeah, Dottie gives three different illustrations of how her mother delighted in her. But one really sticks out to me. She was talking about how one day she was down in her basement and she loved Peter Pan. And she was pretending to be the pixie fairy. And so she had gotten a whole box of the ivory snow detergent (laughs) and sprinkled it all over the basement, you know, as she was sprinkling pixie dust everywhere. And her mother came down and just laughed and said, why don't you tell me the story of Peter Pan? And I can just, as a mom, imagine (laughs) the mother's horror as she walks down seeing all this ivory snow flakes all over the floor thinking, I'm going to have to clean up this mess and this is probably not on her agenda for the day. And I just thought, you know what, though, that's a great perspective because Dottie was just using her imagination and she was just playing. I mean, she wasn't thinking, oh, this is going to be a mess for my mom to clean up. So it was clearly just childishness and not misbehavior and not defiance of her mother. And that really sticks out in my mind of just really saying, you know, that's funny. And why don't you tell me your story again? And then they cleaned it up together. But she didn't come down and say, why would you do this and just get on our case immediately? She just enjoyed Dottie for who she was as a child. And the re- response many times for moms is to go, look what you've done. Look what kind of mess you've made that mm-hmm. I've got to clean up is, is to become self-focused and to look at what it's going to cost me rather than enjoying the creativity, the spontaneity, the ingenuity of your child. And it's all about having the right kind of perspective. And granted, we're not going to always have it. But just hearing that story, that's the one that I remember hearing that I thought, gosh, I wish I'd known that when my kids were little. I think it would have helped me to keep the right perspective at certain times. And that's a part of what uh, makes this book not only unique but also powerful because you have stories where uh, a mother's impact is encapsulated in a chapter. 
history is really good for us to visit and go back and feel the values that have been passed on and passed down to generations in someone else's life. I think that's so important today because I feel like we have a shortage of mentors. I know as a new mom, I was wondering who could mentor me, and there just wasn't anybody to volunteer for that. And so as we began to collect these stories, it was really encouraging to me and fun for me to really kind of capture the vision of what I wanted to teach my children. Barbara, you shared uh, about the impact of your mom in your life and the legacy she passed on to you. What would you say is the essence of what uh, Jean Peterson did for you as uh, a woman, wife, and, and mother? Well, the word that sticks out to me right now is the word stability. My mother was not easily uh, ruffled. She was not easily upset. or uh, She was just a real steady influence in my life. And that's the word that I think of when I think of the impact that she had on my life. I don't know that it was a, uh, something that she did on purpose. I don't know that she said, this is going to be my goal as a mom is to provide a steady influence. I don't think it was. I think it was a combination of her personality and the way she handled life. But as I thought back over her life, there were lots of things that could have caused her to be upset. There were lots of things that she could have been angry about, could have uh, taken out on us as kids. And she didn't choose to do that. She chose instead to provide a real calm, safe, secure environment for us. And that's the legacy that I received from her is just a real uh, confident stability about life. Yeah. One of those things that uh, could have been a destabilizing factor in her life was her own mother's divorce when your mom was an adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When my mother was newly married, her own parents decided to get a divorce. And that can cause, even though we tend to think that it's more harmful on young children, it's just as uh, impacting on an older child, too. And as an adult, my mother had to deal with that. She could have become bitter. She could have been angry and taken that out on me and my brother when he was born and my dad, but she didn't. Uh, she accepted that, and she had, with her quiet serenity, accepted the status in life that God had given her, and she went on and, and raised us with, with great uh, peace and security in our home, and it didn't have to be that way. That's one of the things in this book that I really like is it's, um, it's not some kind of um, warm, fuzzy book about ideal homes and from these ideal homes, the people that emerged from them. No, in, in certain circumstances, it's about some situations that occurred where you would wonder how a daughter would emerge with any kind of positive feeling about her mother. And yet, that's where a lot of our listeners live. They're wondering, how do I deal with my mom who is a controller, a manipulator, an alcoholic? And it helps give a biblical response and a, a God-centered look at circumstances that are less than ideal. In 1865, William Wallace wrote a poem in praise of motherhood. And while most of his poem has been forgotten, the refrain at the end of each stanza lives on. It says, For the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Here's Barbara. Yeah, I really think there's a lot of truth in that. I think that moms who understand that they have a profound influence, a profound impact on their children, really are in fact ruling the world because those children, if they're invested in, will become stable, strong, and hopefully God-fearing adults who will then take important positions around the world, whether it's a teacher or whether it's uh, some kind of political or business field. It doesn't really matter. 
But moms can produce children who are stable and responsible human beings, and that's what our world is, is in desperate need of. New mom Ashley said that instead of feeling like she was ruling the world, her baby made her feel like she was being ruled by him. This is so true. I'm like, what time can I leave tonight when he goes to bed and I have to be here because it's lunchtime? And I said, you know, this little baby pretty much dictates my life, even though he doesn't know it right now. I am reminded of a quote that my dad said actually to my mom that she wrote in this book that I just think is so wonderfully stated. He said, motherhood is the journey that begins but never ends. And I just think that is so true. I mean, I will never stop being my son's mother. And I just think even though I'm a mom now and my mom is a grandmother, she is still my mother. And there is no end. You don't cash in those bonds. Like you say, at the end of three years, there is no end to the motherhood. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about that just today because I kept the baby this morning for a couple of hours and Ashley picked him up and and went on to something that she had to do. And as she was driving away, I was thinking about how busy our day has been today and yesterday. And I thought she's going to get in the car tonight at 7 o'clock when he goes to sleep. And she's going to drive home on the freeway. And there's going to be a lot of traffic. And I started worrying about her driving home on the freeway for two hours and thinking, gosh, what if there's a wreck? And, you know, what would I do? And you do, your mind just starts going down those trails. And all of a sudden, I had to kind of stop going, wait a minute. I don't need to go there. I need to just pray and give it to the Lord and trust Him with it. But that's an illustration of how we as moms are still, even though Ashley is married and living on her own and she's a mother, I am still thinking of her as a mother. And I'm projecting what, you know, those things that go on, and I I just, I can't give that up yet. I really believe the hand that rocks the cradle does shape the conscience, the relational capacity of the next generation. The deposits of love that are made into a a baby, a toddler, uh, a young boy, a young girl, a teenager, and in an adult, there's nothing like your mother's love. Dennis reflected on a time he went to visit his own mother. She was 87 years old at the time. Hugging my mom. There's nothing like that. I mean, um, she's lost a lot of weight, and, and yet she's... She's with me. She's, she's still here, and she still loves me, and we kid each other, and we love each other. And in a tender moment, you can see that mother's love in the form of a tear, and she cares. She'll never stop worrying about me. She's called me her worry wart. I cause great deals of worry in her life. But this is, um, this is the great mantle, the high and holy calling and privilege of being a mother. And um, a man can never know that. Now, man's got his privileges and God's got his calling for him, but there's something profoundly high and holy and such a privilege in being a mom. And uh, I just know that I look into it from a very close proximity with Barbara and with Ashley and our other children. And uh, the more I watch it occurring, the more I appreciate it. With Mother's Day just around the corner, It's healthy for us to think about the legacies our mothers left for us and for generations to come. And if you're a mom yourself, think about the legacy you're leaving to your own children. We asked Barbara if Ashley was a hard child to raise. No, actually, she wasn't. In fact, the other day, Dennis and I had a conversation, and I said, you know, I think Ashley was probably the easiest one of the bunch. Because remember, we had that conversation, and I said, I think all of our kids have been difficult kids, but Ashley was probably the easiest. 
So yeah, there we, you go. How about we, that for a compliment? That makes we, me feel so good. Thank you. But she really was. She, we, we were evaluating whether we had any strong-willed children. We decided they all were. <laughs> they all were. <laughs> all are. Present yeah, tense. Yeah, present, present tense. tense. Well, one of the memories that I wrote about in the book that it's an endearing memory, but it's also one of those memories when I, I remember questioning myself and wondering if I had done this right. But um, as a college student, I made several sort of resolutions to myself that someday when I'm a mother, I will whatever. And I had lots of them. They were some little picky ones like, I'm never going to take my kids to the grocery store with dirty faces, those kinds of things. So I had a lot of those real small kind of minor ones. And then we had two children. (laughs) Yeah, then we had two. And those went out the window. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, those, those minor ones kind of disappeared in a big hurry. But I made some other resolutions to myself that when I'm a mother, I will. And one of them was, is I, I really wanted to impart spiritual truth to my children in a different way than I had received it. Because the generation that I grew up in, that Dennis grew up in, it was more of a private generation about our faith. We didn't talk about it a lot. It wasn't brought up in casual conversation in the 50s and 60s when I grew up and was a kid. So we began, when they were very young, we began talking to them about spiritual things. And of course, we read Bible story books, but we also began talking to them about owning their faith. I remember one night when Ashley was five years old, we had already put our two boys to bed because they were younger and they went to bed earlier. And because she was the oldest, she was last to be tucked in. And as I went into the room, she started talking to me. And kids do this all the time because they know that now I've got mom's undivided attention. And But as the conversation continued, she started talking about wanting to invite Jesus into her heart. And I thought, oh, this is the moment I've waited for all these years as a mom, and I need to seize the opportunity. So we began to talk, and and she seemed genuinely interested. So I began to talk to her about what that meant, how you invite Jesus into your heart, and walked her through the process. And I said, do you want to do that tonight? And she said, yeah, I want to do that. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. And I said, okay, well, then I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray after me. So I walked through the prayer, and she prayed after me, and she said amen. And I kissed her and hugged her and told her how pleased I was and how excited I was that that she had decided that she wanted to become a Christian. And I stood up and walked to the door and turned out the light. And as I was closing the door and uh, walking out of her room, she said, Mom, one other thing. She said, you know what? This is really funny. But when I prayed, I saw pink elephants. And I thought, oh, my gosh. (laughs) She saw pink elephants. Okay, then that means she didn't mean it. (laughs) That's right. And she just conned me into staying up for 45 minutes. And, oh, gosh. It was one of those moments where I thought, what happened? <laughs> do you remember that uh, that incident, Ashley? I do. I remember the pink elephants. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, okay, it wasn't a sincere decision. We're going to have to go through this all over again some other time. I think I'd either seen a cartoon recently or something. And I don't know. I was closing my eyes really tight because I was really trying hard to concentrate. And you know how your eyes get a little blurry or blotchy mm-hmm. or something. You see and spots and stuff. You see spots. And I think in my childlike mind, I just was making shapes out of them. And I think that's what it was. But I remember when we finished praying and I remember telling my dad that I had accepted the that's Lord. Right. And I, I remember I thinking the next day waking up thinking the Lord is in my heart today and I remember I mean I remember the decision being real in my heart and I really felt serious about it but I think as a child you just you make a decision or you do something and then you move right on to the next thing and you're not connecting those things so when mom wrote that story and I read it in the book and I thought oh gosh that makes me look like a dud you know or whatever (laughs) but I, I just think that 
even again, it's a picture of children and how simplistic we are in our minds just in thinking or in just the way we communicate things because I really feel like that decision was true and real and it's been lasting. So I think that they've seen fruit since then and I think it was a decision for the Lord at that point. And therein lies a part of the problem in being a mom. You don't always see the fruit of decisions Mm -hmm. like this for Mm -hmm. years to come. Mm -hmm. But you've got to keep sowing. You've got to keep implanting uh, the scriptures in, Mm -hmm. in children's lives because what you're building is you're building a moral base, a conscience. You're creating a, an awareness of who God is in children's lives. And that's why being a mom is so important and, uh, and really why perseverance is such an integral part of being a mother, especially in today's culture. It's such an instant culture. You know, we've, we've got things that we can cook in 60 seconds, and mm-hmm. we don't have to wait on anything anymore except growing children into adults. As Barbara and Ashley gathered stories for moms— One from pastor's wife, Susan Yates, stood out to Ashley. She tells a story about how she and her mom went to the store and she was wandering around while her mom made her purchases or whatever. And she just saw some rubber bands and she talks about how brightly colored they were and how there were so many packs of rubber bands. And surely the store didn't need all those rubber bands, you know, and how she took one pack and put it in her pocket and they walked out to the car and her mom said, you know, is everything okay, Susan? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's fine, you know, or whatever. And finally she said, you need to show me what you have in your pocket. And so she pulled it out, and her mom said, you know, that's stealing, and you need to go back in and return that, and we're going to go to the manager, and you have to tell them what you've done. And Susan talks about now as a grown woman, and now that she's a mom, the feelings that her mom must have felt of embarrassment that her child had done that, Maybe Susan's mom had other places to be, but she took the time to go back in and take care of the issue then. She took that moment to really teach her daughter about right from wrong and taking responsibility for that action. And I just thought, you know, as a child, you don't think about what it means to the parents to have to take that time to teach you what's right. But it gave me a good perspective on what the mom felt and how important it is and the lasting impact it made on Susan's life. Isn't it good to hear a story like that and to hear a mom affirmed for teaching right and wrong? And yet in Susan Yates' life as a little girl growing up, what more important value could be taught to a little girl who's going to make tons and tons of choices over her lifetime that were choices of right and wrong, Mm -hmm. life and death? That's why being a mom is so important. Well, you know, doing this book was really, in a way, like going on a treasure hunt. Because every one of these stories, we discovered something new, and it was really fun. But one of the ones that I, that I want to share is Vonette Bright's story. Vonette has been with the Lord for a few years now. But she and her husband, Bill Bright, founded the organization now known as Crew, ministering to millions worldwide. And she writes about how when she was a teenager, not a little girl, but when she was a teenager in junior high, She and some of her friends decided to create this club, and the club they called the Kissing Club. (laughs) And the goal of the club was to get kisses from the boys in their class. Mm. And she writes about how her mom uh, was not at home when they came to her house that afternoon to have the first meeting of the Kissing Club in Bonnet's backyard. (laughs) And how shortly after the meeting started and they kind of picked who they were going to give their first kiss to and all this, all of a sudden her mom shows up. And she goes what in the world is going on in the backyard? And she says it's kind of like one of those 
those um, systems that moms, moms have of finding out what's going on and you wonder how in the world did she figure that out. But she figured it out and she showed up and dismissed the club and Vonette writes that that was the first and last meeting of the kissing club. <laughs> And she said, my mother realized that she had some some teaching to do in my life about what was right and wrong in relationships with boys. And she said, from then on, my mother took the opportunity at every uh, occasion that she could to instruct me on how to relate to the opposite sex. And she said, we had many, many talks about what's right behavior and what's not and how close to get and how, how to keep your distance and how to be friends with them but not get involved physically. And she said, my mother taught me that that was not appropriate behavior. And she said that, and the line that she used in the story is, sometimes love says no. And it was a great encouragement to me, even though we've already been through a lot of that with our kids, to go, yeah, we're doing the right thing by telling them to say no, even though I know it's the right thing. Sometimes your emotions go, gosh, are we just being too hard on the kids? But when you read a story like that, you say, no, we're not being too hard. This is the right thing to do. And the reason they're losing heart is because so much of the Christian community has dropped its standards, Mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of reinforcement to give moms the courage to step into their lives. And that's one of the reasons why stories like this are so important to tell. Not everybody, however, in this book that you wrote shared stories that came out of this perfect circumstance. That's right. And that, to me, is also a very encouraging part of the of the book because there are several moms who've written in this who did not have strong mothers or did not have Christian mothers. One of the ones that is my favorites for several reasons is the Karen Loritz story. And part of the reason I love Karen's story is because I love Karen. Crawford and Karen Loritz have served on the Family Life Weekend to Remember speaker team. Crawford was the senior pastor of a large church in suburban Atlanta for many years. He is also the host of the daily radio program called Legacy Moment. And Karen tells her story in our book about growing up with a single mom. Karen's mother was a single, unwed teenage mother, and Karen and her brother grew up in the projects of Philadelphia. And she writes about all of the things that we imagine and we've seen pictures of about some of these high-rise project government housing buildings about the the trash, about the broken bottles, and uh, she talks about people being drunk in the hallways and how her mother wouldn't let she and her brother out to play very often because she knew it wasn't safe. And her goal was to get a good enough paying job that she could move, uh, move out with her daughter and her son to a safer place. But that's the environment that she grew up in. And yet, out of that environment, even though she grew up in what we would say is a horrible situation for a child to have to grow up in. None of us want children to grow up in those kinds of circumstances. And yet Karen says it was because of those circumstances and because of the situation that my mother was in that I was ready to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love that statement because we tend to look at our circumstances and blame our parents or blame whoever because we we say we didn't It's not fair that I'd had that kind of background. Rather than saying God is sovereign and he allowed me to grow up in that situation because he has a plan for my life. And she writes about going to the church nearby and dragging her brother with her. She said, every time the doors were open, I was there with my little brother because they had words of hope and words of life. And Mm -hmm. she said, I was desperate to hear them. Karen's story illustrates Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things work together for good to those who love God, and to those who are called according to his purpose. And that scripture is a promise 
that we don't have to do it perfectly. We just have to hang in there and not quit and um, attempt to be God's woman, God's mom mm-hmm. in a tough circumstance. And God will even even use the circumstances that are beyond your control to impact your child's life in ways that you can't even begin to fathom. And to me, that was the hardest part of being a mother is maintaining my perspective and trusting the Lord in all of those uh, nasty little situations that you run into with kids. So that that's the real perspective that we need to have, but it's the most difficult thing to do. Ashley, is there a moment when you were a little girl, a time when you were uh, beginning to uh, shape your own value system of what it meant to be a woman, a wife, a mom, where you looked at your mom and the light went on and you said, this really is a picture of what I want to be when I grow up. Well, I think that time just occurred over the years of growing up. But what comes to mind, I guess, an answer of that question would be my senior trip that I took after I went to college. And it was a time when mom and I just spent together for a week, and I write about it in the book, about just kind of looking back, I guess, and really saying, what have you learned? What have I taught you? What are you going to take from what you've learned growing up and apply it to your life now? Because I think that even though I might try to pick one moment or a few memories, it wasn't made up of those one or two times. It's made up of a lifetime of learning and a lifetime of watching my mother. And then when I'm about to go out and be a woman on my own, taking all of those things together and making it to be who I'm going to be and then applying that to my new status as a wife for a few years and now again as a mother. So I guess there's not one particular instance that stands out. I guess it would just be the day in and day out consistency of mom being there to teach me those lessons every day. Ashley points out one way she hopes her mothering will be different because of her interaction with other moms in researching and writing the book, A Mother's Legacy. Well, I think my tendency is going to be to have fun with my kids, you know, have a good time, enjoy things. Okay, the dishes can wait. But I think what I really want to do that I saw in the book was just be consistent with my children and the truths of the Lord. And I think that's something my mom modeled to me. And that's something that some of these Christian women whose moms were believers, wrote about. And I really want to be consistent with my children and model that truth for them day in and day out. And I think that's going to be my challenge as a mom, more so than enjoying the snowflakes on the basement floor like we talked about. I think that will be easier for me than providing that consistency every day that some of these women illustrate. You may want to glean wisdom from the stories of other women as they reflect on things their mothers did well or not so well, and as they relate lessons they've learned as moms themselves. The book by Barbara Rainey and Ashley Eskew is titled A Mother's Legacy, and we have a limited number of copies left. We'd love to send you one for a donation of $50 or more. And the best way to contact us is through our website, everthinehome.com. Be sure and request Barbara and Ashley's book, A Mother's Legacy, when you make your donation. It makes a wonderful Mother's Day gift for a special mom in your life. Once again, that website is everthinehome.com. Thank you for listening today. May you find joy and meaning in the various roles you play and hats that you wear. And if you're a mom, I want to say happy Mother's Day to you, even if it's not quite Mother's Day yet. I'm Samantha Laux, inviting you back for another edition of the Barbara Rainey Podcast from Ever Thine Home. There ought to be a hall of fame for mamas.
hand that rocks the cradle Ooh. 